Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I am the host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors. And I help landlords and property investors build commercial and mixed use property portfolios. If you want to find out more, come on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. Now, I have to let you in on something that we are doing this week. So last night, I hosted a webinar on how to supercharge your property portfolio via buying commercial property. As a result of that, I launched the Members Club for the last time this year. And a bonus of joining the Members Club this month is that you can join our three-month accountability scheme, which will help you to buy your next commercial or mixed-use property. All you have to do is go to the uh, Members Club, ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash Members Club, sign up and join the Members Club It's a three-month subscription that we're offering for £297. It'll be £117 per month thereafter. But you get this three-month accountability program, which is worth about £1,497. But you get accountability with our asset management team. You get one-to-one help with our surveying team. And you also get access to an accountability group of everybody who joins the members club this month. So if you are determined to make the first quarter of 2022, the time that you buy your next commercial property, you are going to want to sign up for the members club this month. Honestly, that's what you want to do. So make sure you head to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash members club. The doors are closing on Friday. That's it. We're closed for the year. We're going to get started with this accountability. Um, So do make sure you sign up for that. That is really important. So this podcast is a bit of a mishmash of all the things that have been going on over the last couple of weeks. But before I get in, can I say um, thank you to everybody who responded, reached out, emailed me in regards to my last week's podcast, which was called The Deets on My Newest Commercial Property Purchase. I had some fantastic questions on the back of it. So I want to just go through a couple of those questions really, really quickly before I jump into what's going on this week. So first off, um, Yanis, thanks for emailing me. Uh, You said, or you asked me, um, quick question, what research, what did your research say about off-season viability of retail in touristy towns? I didn't do research on touristy towns for that particular 
property. The reason being is that Barnstable, North Devon, isn't really a touristy town. I mean, you might go there for the tourist season, but really it's kind of the drop-off point. Actually, it's more a town for locals. So I didn't really look at the seasonal aspect because locals will use that town all year round. But great question. If I was looking in seaside touristy towns, you know, real beach towns, then yes, I would do the viability of it. But I didn't see the point for doing um, that in Barnstable. Next up... I got an email from Binod and um, yes, you said you can sympathize with the expensive finance issue. Yes, um, going through a similar issue with the remortgage in Taunton. Yep, that is like, it's frustrating at the moment. Commercial mortgages are taking a really long time. They're not impossible to get. And I know there's a lot of scare stories out there about finance being really impossible at the moment. But if I'm really honest with you, um, you can get it. You just have really have to persevere. But it is literally the most frustrating thing that can happen. Jumping through hoops and more hoops and more hoops and more hoops and more hoops. And lenders want to do a lot of anti-money laundering checks as well. So you are going to have to make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row in, your, in terms of where your finance is coming from. And um, that you've got the flow of how your finances moved around. Certainly that was a sticking point for Shawbrook. They wanted to see where that additional £15,000 that I had to find came from. And so they just needed confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. So just be very aware of that. You are at the lender's beck and call. You are going to have to make time to turn around their requests really, really quickly. Um, somebody else, <laughs> Sabir, you got in contact with me and said, sounds like a great deal. Did you come across any other buy-to-let properties in a similar range looking to invest in one? That is something that if you want us to help you with investments, you're gonna to have to come over and join the members club. Um, we don't give out investments to people that we don't know or don't have a relationship with. And then the final email I'm going to read out. Um, completely agree, Shawbrook are not only expensive but also hard work to deal with um but with the current lack of appetite that lenders have for commercial property i find myself still losing out on some fantastic deals so far in the last 12 months i've lost out on four amazing commercial properties in market town high streets all but one occupied with long-term leases upset is an understatement still looking hopefully something will come up yes keep looking what you might have to do if you are, um, and this is from Shaquille, if you are looking for high street properties that have vacancies, what you will probably have to do and what we've been doing with our clients is we buy the property on short-term lending to start off with because short-term lenders will lend to you. And really, they're not that much more expensive than long-term lenders, which is shocking. And then you fill the property um, show that you've got experience in filling the property and then you can remortgage out onto a long-term commercial mortgage. So it may be that in the first 12 months of owning that property, you don't really make any net profit, but please factor that into the long-term viability of your commercial deal. Commercial deals should be a long-term game, you know, five to 10 years. After five to 10 years, commercial deals should have paid themselves back. Um, 
So with that in mind, think about, okay, if this is really a good deal, really, really a good deal, can I afford to take a loss in year one? And if I can afford to take a loss in year one, will I make up for it over the whole period of the next four to nine years? It's a good question to be asking yourself. Certainly something that we discuss a lot in the members club. Um, You know, one year hit to make uh, income long term. For me, that's worth it. But I'm not the sort of investor who likes to turn things around on a 12 month basis. I don't believe in short term get rich quick. So thank you, everybody, for your emails. Amazing. Love to hear from you. Keep emailing me. I see it. I see it. I like having your feedback. And if you could go one step further from emailing me and leave me a review, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love it. So let me move on to some things that have been happening in my life over the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't been following, maybe you don't know, we bought a house in Austin, Texas. (gasps) And we've moved. We moved from Charleston to Austin, Texas, and I thought it was going to be a really easy move. It wasn't. Um, the move itself is okay, so we packed up the car with every all of our bits in Charleston. Charleston is going to be short-term accommodation. I'll come back to that in a second. So packed up the car, packed up the cat, packed up the dog. Uh, it was a thousand miles that we had to cover to get to Austin. We ended up doing it in two days. We had scheduled for three, but having a cat in a hotel and that cat not really like being in the car is a nightmare. So Oscar, our little cat, if everybody remembers, or if you remember, I rescued him when we were up in New York, we found him in a bin bag and he has been traveling with us ever since. He loved Charleston. Oh my gosh, that cat could not have loved a house anymore. So I'm just gonna put that out there. He loved it, but we knew he's okay. He's very resilient cat. So we put him in uh, the crate and he sits in the crate in the back of the car. He likes to sleep, look out the window, all is good. Um, first night, we got about 500 miles to the middle of Mississippi somewhere. And he starts meowing. So we know we had to let him out. So we stopped off at a hotel overnight with a pair of them. And he decided at that point that was him. He wanted to hide under the bed. Um, just as a side note, our animals love being in hotels. I don't know whether that's just our animals being weird, but they uh, they explore, they happily sleep on the bed with us. We cover the beds in our blankets and they will happily sleep on the bed with us. Um, for Oscar, we bring litter trays and, you know, all of that. It's not as if that cat is feral and just going to the toilet everywhere. That cat goes to the toilet in his litter tray like clockwork. So don't, you know, don't panic about that. But the next morning when he realized that we were going to have another whole day in the car, he hid behind the bed and I had to really coax him out with his favorite treats. And when we got him back in the car, he started really crying. And so at that point we were like, okay, if we drive for the next 12 hours, we are going to hit our house in Austin. Maybe we do that. We ignore his crying, which is really hard. And we'll go straight there fine 
absolutely fine. Um, so we did that. Yeah, he was a bit of a nightmare. Summer loves the car, our dog, so she doesn't care as long as she's with us. Um, but we made it two day in two days. We reached Austin at about 10 o'clock at night, got in to find that our washing machine had leaked all over the ground floor. So I spent the first hour mopping all of the ground floor to get all of the washing machine back together. Um, I was tired. And you know, when you've been on the road for that long, if you ever have and you've not been eating very well and you just feel like, oh, I just need to go to bed. Um, And we didn't have really any furniture. We have had an absolute disaster with our storage firm who we used up in New York. We used a company called MakeSpace. Do not use them. Go find a different company for storage. It looked like for some of our items, they had literally taken them up to the roof of their storage facility and just pushed them off. Like our TVs were completely smashed up, our master bed, I don't know what they did. They poured oil all over the mattress and all over the covers. And all of our kitchen stuff was just damaged. Just, oh my gosh. I don't know how that even happens. I don't know how that happens, but it did. So we arrive, we don't really have any furniture. We have nothing really in this big house. The good thing was though, that we'd had it all decorated and recarpeted. So that was nice. We have a shell, lovely. Um, But I don't know whether you've, okay, I'll ask you, let's see if you can relate. I think for me, whenever I, I have a new property, right? and you're tired and you're excited and the adrenaline's going and you go into the property for the first time, I feel like it's a letdown and not what I've built it up to be in my head. Can you relate or is that just me? I get so excited about coming and seeing these properties. I hadn't seen this house uh, for weeks. In fact, when we decided to live here, I'd only been in here for 15 minutes. I was like, yep, The reason we decided to buy it was because it's got great hiking trails around for walking the dog. It's within walking distance of supermarkets, coffee shops, you know, all of that. Any amenity that we could want, we are within walking distance of out here. And we are about 18 miles outside of downtown Austin in an area called Cedar Park. It is lovely. People are lovely here. But I I was very much in that kind of like, oh, God, what have we bought? It just all looked dark. The the lights were old. Gosh. So that I found really stressful. And then really for the next couple of days. Number one, we had to argue with Make Space, who obviously trashed all of our stuff. So we're trying to get compensation out of them. And they say, oh, it just happens. You know, when you store things, things get broken. Not to the extent that it looks like someone has actually taken a baseball bat to our belongings, right? That doesn't happen. So number one, we're arguing with them. Um, number two, we're trying to unpack the rest of the stuff that we've got. Luckily, we had um, a one of our sofas was absolutely fine. That sofa has made it across the world. Shout out to Silcox Sun and Wicks in Bath, who seemingly make the best sofas because this sofa has been in circulation in my family since 2003. 
it was in my parents' house. It then went to London with us. It then went to New York with us. And it has since made it to Austin with us. Well done, Silcox. You made fantastic furniture. What a good investment my parents made. And then they gave that to us when they divorced. And, and we still have it. And it's long enough that a whole person can sleep on it. I think most of my friends have slept on it at one time or the other. So that did make it. Um, I think that is a resilient sofa. Um, and also the really expensive bed set that I bought for our London flat also made it. So actually, there's a point there. Our UK furniture ma made it. Our US furniture just could not withstand the abuse that it got from Makespace. So let's just, we'll have a, we'll have a bit of a think about that. I think it's just maybe because that furniture was um, handcrafted and the other furniture, not really. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but there we go. That's what made it. So we spent the first kind of week just waiting for new deliveries, new furniture to arrive and unpacking everything that we'd managed to salvage and just kind of... Ugh just trying to figure all of that out which yeah was is stressful it really is like moving is never easy I don't think I've known anybody who really enjoys moving the only time it was easy with furniture was when we moved from London to New York and we didn't have anything to do with it whatsoever but um yeah that was hard so that was the one thing that happens we've moved now we're in Austin, things are looking up. Great. Number two, serviced accommodation sometimes sucks. So in parallel with us moving, obviously our Charleston house, we've then let out as serviced accommodation. The first guests we had were the guests from hell. I cannot believe how freaking terrible they were within 24 hours of us leaving our home and them being in there they blew our whole power all of it I just can't believe people sometimes we had lived in this house for a year we had never once blown the power and the minute these people come in they managed to just completely wreck it all and it was simply because they didn't follow instructions so in American houses, you have HVACs, which is hot and cold air. And for older houses, especially, you cannot overload the HVACs. You know, you essentially have to put it up to a certain temperature and then wait for the house to get to that temperature and then put it up again. If you go from the house being, I'm going to say this in Fahrenheit because I don't, I don't know the overlap between Fahrenheit and Celsius. Um, I'm very good in Celsius. I'm not very good in Fahrenheit, but let me try and explain. If the house, say, when it's been left, is at 55 degrees in Charleston, you cannot turn on the hot and then ramp the hot up to 80 because the whole system just shuts down because it feels like it's being overloaded, right? That's a huge jump for it to get to. Whereas if you turn it on at 55, say the house temperature is 55, you get it up to 65, fantastic. You get it up, then you can then get it up to 68, 70, 75, right? We never heat it up 
in Charleston above 70, you don't need to. Charleston is a hot climate apart from three times, like three months of the year. So that house will generally um, stay pretty warm as long as you keep it at about 70 degrees, it's fine. So in the guidebook, I had said, um, just, just heat it up to 70. If you need to put the, the heating on, heat it up to 70 and it will stay there. We do have backup heaters as well. So we do have space heaters for some of the bedrooms just in case, right? Just in case anything goes wrong. Um, but another thing to bear in mind with these, these older houses where they've been built, when I say older houses, guys, um, also, let me just say that um, I'm talking about older houses that are like 1985. This house was built in 1985 and it's considered an old house, right? We're in a, we're dealing with different countries here, but the HVAC vents are in the ceiling. So hot air rises, cold air falls. We know that, we learned that at school. Um, so upstairs will always heat up quicker than downstairs. It is as simple as that. So what these people had done is they'd gone in there, decided it was far too cold for them. Rather than just keeping it at 70, they absolutely overloaded the power to 80. Then they plugged in all the storage heaters, not the storage heaters, all of the space heaters as well, and were blasting that. And then each one of them had their hair dryers going as well. They basically just within the space of about 30 minutes, one morning had completely overloaded the system, like completely. And with that, boom, all the, all the power goes out, right? So um, this lady phones Chris to start off with, and Chris is not the person to phone when you have got a management problem. My husband does not want anything to do with property. Let me tell you that. He is a stocks and shares man, and he will keep that, you know, with whatever he wants to do. That is, that's him. He does not want the stress. He does not want people phoning him. That is why my phone number is in our Airbnbs. Call me. I'll figure it out. Don't call my husband. But this lady had called my husband. Um, so Chris picks up and she, he's got a stressed out woman saying that all the power is down and we need to fix it ASAP. So I take over and I start speaking to her. And I said to her, well, what happened? It's very rare for the power to go out in that property unless there is a real bad thunderstorm, real bad. Sometimes when the lightning strikes the house, the whole power goes out, in which case you just reset it. She said to me, well, the heating wasn't working, so she's got it at 80. And I was like, oh, really? Why? And she said, well, I just wanted it to be hot this morning. And I said, did you not read the guidebook? Yeah, but I didn't think that that was actually going to do what you said it was going to do. I was like, great. I said, anything else? Any other power that you've got on? She said, yeah, I've also got um, the space heaters on, right? Okay. Anything else? Oh, we've got hair dryers plugged in as well. Okay, right. Anything else you've got plugged into our supply at the moment? Um, she's like, well, we had all the electric on. Okay, right. Um, I said, well, that would do it. I said, you've just overloaded the system. The system just needs to be reset. So 
I, sh- I told her to just turn the breakers back on, as you would in a regular house. This woman kicked off. I'm not turning the breakers back on. It's not safe. I've tried my best. Best not good enough. You've got a house that's so dodgy electricity-wise. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, God. Right, so I got my electrician out within an hour. Electrician went in there, turned on the breakers, charged me $65 for it. Jobs are given. Okay, fantastic. So this kind of strike one. It's not really the end of the world. You know, it is a fluster if you go into a new house and you um, you kind of don't know what you're doing, I guess, and you just don't follow with the instructions in the guidebook, I guess. So that was all sorted. But then she hadn't had enough. So after that, I didn't hear from her until two days later when she started kicking off that she hadn't been given wine at check-in. It's like, what on earth? So she said that she she was going to leave us a bad review because she didn't ha- get wine at check-in. She didn't get uh, a bread basket or something at check-in and that there were flies in the house and that she felt like it wasn't five-star accommodation And then she said to us, and if we didn't provide that, then we would have to put her up in a hotel. It's like, uh, what the hell's going on? So we tried speaking to her again to find out what was happening. I've never provided wine for Airbnb guests ever because you don't know if people drink or not. Usually it's just some milk, some cleaning products, and we just leave some biscuits and things in the cupboards that's what we leave um and she had been it turned out that she had been eating in the garden so it was obviously warm enough to eat in the garden and she had had the french doors open to the house and all the flies had come in and she thought that that was unacceptable and that flies shouldn't come in And then she said that we didn't treat the place like a five-star hotel. We hadn't set out amenities like that and that she wanted to go to a five-star hotel because she was disappointed. You know, the the electricity was obviously faulty if she couldn't have it at 80 degrees and that um, she just felt like she should have been treated better. What? If you've seen the pictures of this house on Instagram, it is like the house of dreams. For me, it's one of my dream houses. That's why we bought it. That's how I decorated it. To have this woman start tearing it apart because it turns out she just wanted us to pay for a hotel for her. That was it. She was just trying to argue with us and argue with us and argue with us so that we got fed up with her and we gave her a refund so she could go and stay in a hotel. And the only reason being is she didn't want to be outside of town anymore because it's about three miles outside of town. She wanted to be downtown. Oh, dealing with a woman like that plus moving. I don't know. I really can't at the moment. I really can't. So it is the first time I have ever left a review for a guest that says, don't do not let this woman because she will try and do anything she can in order to get you to pay for a hotel for her. Seriously, who does that? Who does that? You know, I have never in my life 
So that is where serviced accommodation sometimes sucks. And you have to deal with these people who just want everything. Everything. But that is our house. That's our holiday house. And, you know, we've lived there and it's beautiful and I love it. And I stand by the fact that it's a gorgeous house. But you can't expect to be staying at hotel standard in an Airbnb because we're not there. We are not there to run after her. That was actually another one of the comments. Why weren't we there? Because we have lives and we don't live anywhere near it at the moment. So anyway, that was another stress. And if you put that stress on top of moving stress, that is a lot to have someone shouting at you. Um, Ah! So from that point of view, that was frustrating. Luckily, she's gone. Thank God. And we're back to letting to nice people. <sighs> Onwards and upwards, as always, with service accommodation. Service accommodation is not always easy. Um, this week as well, because we've got the new travel restrictions in place, I've certainly had a lot of people getting in contact with me and saying, hey, we can't come anymore. Could you change your cancellation policy? Nope. I'm not doing that. I'm standing firm. I have a firm cancellation policy on Airbnb. And I also have on my listings, it is risky to travel right now. It has been risky to travel since March 2020. You know that when you are booking, right? You know that. So as a result of you knowing that, you have to take some of the risk of the fact that if you travel and Travel regulations change. That's on you. You need to take out your appropriate travel insurance. I don't know if I'm being quite harsh on that, but that is my personal feeling. I have not seen the majority of my friends and family for the past two years, and that is because of travel risks, right? So there's there's always this element of you are risking a lot to travel. You need to make that decision. And if you can't go, And it's not like I don't refund anything up to seven days before I refund 50%. But you have to take part of the risk. And that is what my thought process in terms of service accommodation at the moment. Can you let me know what you're doing in terms of this? If anybody is listening and you do service accommodation, do you want to let me know what your cancellation policy is at the moment? Are you being as firm as I am or have you been slightly more lenient? Let me know. And then the final thing I want to say that we've done this week, which I thought was the funniest thing that's ever happened. Well, when I say ever happened, I needed a little bit of light relief after what had been going on in terms of moving house and service accommodation and what have you. We were invited to our first residence meeting in Cedar Park. Oh my gosh. If you have watched Parks and Recreation and you have seen what it is like in parks and recreation. You know, when they do those meetings where um, Leslie Nope stood at the front and she's like hosting the meeting and then you get all the local residents in shouting and screaming. It was like that. I have never in my life. All we were there to do was to discuss what should happen with the patch of grass that is opposite some of our homes. That was all we were there to do. What did we want to do with it? It's quite nice but it's a tiny patch of grass we thought we would go to introduce ourselves to the neighbors and show that we are committed to the neighborhood wow within the first five minutes uh one of our neighbors who refused to wear a name badge so i don't quite know what her name was 
um, started standing up and questioning the legalities of water in this part, in this green space. Mm-hmm. To which another resident put his hand up and said, I vote that this woman should be escorted out of the building right now. And then he said, who else is with me? I want this lady to leave. And then they started arguing. And I was just smiling behind my mask thinking, wow, we are five minutes into this meeting. Um, You have got residents in there trying to privately record it. Um, You have got people fighting about what they want in there. Some lady came up with this huge plan about how she wanted exercise equipment. She wanted statues and she wanted it to be this place that, you know, a tourist destination. I'm not kidding. It is probably about 100 foot by 100 foot. How can that be a tourist destination? It's somewhere like 18 miles outside of Austin downtown. It's not as if tourists are coming up here. It's literally just a residence park. Um, And I must admit, I thought it was hilarious. I honestly thought it was hilarious. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I didn't even know what to say. They were asking me about what I wanted to do with this park. I mean, I said, just fence it in because it's alongside a road. So we'll put some fences up and then kids can go and run around in there. You can have your dog running around in there. That's about it. Doesn't need anything else to do with it. Again, it's a tiny patch of grass. Then people are saying, well, how are we going to pay for it? And it's run by a organization called MUD. I just didn't understand where all this money was coming from. Turns out we pay to keep our local parks through our water bill. Who would have thought it? Learn something new every day. Just the fact that people are so contentious about something so small. It makes me realise some people don't have that much going on. And they like to go to those meetings and they like to fight with each other. I don't know what the outcome will be. I don't know that there was anything, you know, really, um, really constructive that came out of it. I really hate time-wasting meetings like that, but I, I honestly had to laugh. I really had to laugh. There were police at this meeting. Yeah, armed police at this meeting. And there was only 10 residents in there. Can you even believe that? Armed police at a residence meeting because they thought it might kick off. And it did kick off. What? I mean, can you imagine that happening in the UK? (laughs) Oh, guys, bloody hell. These things that I kind of get myself involved in. I mean, Chris was livid. My husband was livid about coming. He said never wanted to go again. It was just full of weirdos. Um, when our next door neighbor was there, he's a lovely guy, uh, very, an, an elder guy. And he's, he just kept winking at us, um, as if to be like, this is a bit of a joke, you know, but you have to, but afterwards he said, you have to come to these things because otherwise you never get a say in what happens. And then he said, he said to me, the reason he comes to those meetings is so that he knows who to avoid. If he spends an hour at those meetings, once a month, he knows which residents to just completely ignore, which is funny. But my goodness. So I don't know what happened at that meeting, apart from people shouting and screaming at each other. The police did not intervene with the people shouting and screaming at each other. And um, they watched over it. I don't know. This is Texas. 
perhaps they just thought people might have guns. I could see people getting that wound up about it. (laughs) I don't really have an end to that story in that I had to just tell you that this was an experience that happened to me this week. And my gosh, at least in the UK, we're pretty like civilized about how we talk to each other. Um, But I'm going to keep you updated on what happens in these residence meetings. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? I find it interesting to see what happens in different parts of the world. Tell me, if you're not in the UK and you listen to this, what happens in your residence meetings? Do you go or do you just ignore it? (laughs) Right. This podcast has gone on long enough. I've shared with you what's happened, my highs, my lows, some great questions. Please remember to reach out to me. Number one, I want to know what you're doing with your service accommodation right now, how you're cancellation policies and what have you are going um number two I want to know if you go to your resident meetings and how they go you know what it's like I'll keep you updated if it's something of interest if you to you please keep emailing me I've loved it that I've had so many emails this week brilliant brilliant it shows me what a great uh, community we have as a result of this podcast okay all right everybody thank you so much for listening to this podcast today We'll catch up with all of you again very, very soon.